Welcome to another edition of Pittsburgh Pop with Tim Benz and Rob Owen. Glad that you're with us. And some big news in the broadcast world to talk about TV-wise. Rob, you can always read him, TV Talk, TV Q&A. You can check me out, Breakfast with Benz, on the sports side Monday through Friday. And those two worlds intersecting, Rob, with one of the bigger stories in the TV world. It has to do with sports, and that's what appears to be uh, the death of regional sports networks as we know them. A lot of them anyway, including AT&T Sportsnet here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, this this started last week when there was a rumor that the, uh, the AT&T Sports Networks had not paid their league partners, um, baseball league partners. Um, then it turned out that, well, no, the last payment isn't due till the end of March. So we sort of w- took a step back. But then on Friday, Wonder Brothers Discovery, which owns AT&T Sportsnet and a couple other regional sports networks, declared that they were exiting the business and soon. <laughs> Um, as in a couple weeks from now. And so basically they are trying to negotiate a deal to give their sports networks to um, the teams, I think, or the leagues or somebody, and they don't want to be in the business anymore. And the whole thing is Warner Brothers Discovery has, has a mountain of debt, $48 billion, I think, dollars in debt. So they're writing things down left and right. And I have to think that uh, giving away a a cable channel uh, is a, a fairly significant write down that they can, that they can take for tax purposes. So that is what they are attempting to do. And um, you know, it, it, it came about much faster than I was expecting it to, because I do think that unlike the Bally's regional sports networks, which are, have a mountain of debt themselves and are owned by Sinclair, those guys already were headed towards bankruptcy. Um, but this, it happened quicker than, than I sort of thought it was going to with AT&T Sportsnet. So anyway, the question is, what becomes of this? And according to Bob Nutting, this is not new information to them. They've been working with AT&T Sportsnet and Warner Brothers Discovery that the league-wide is working with regional sportsnets, and they are aware of it. Um, and Nutting claimed that, you know, people will still be able to see the games and that opening day will go on as scheduled as a television broadcast. So I think that there is something in the offing to remedy this, but ultimately I feel like it's probably going to be a short-term remedy because there are just these forces at work here. The number of people with cable is declining as cord cutting increases. So that reduces the amount of revenue these stations take in, both from retransmission fees and from what they can afford to charge as advertising. And uh, at the same time, you know, streaming is getting to be a bigger thing. But I don't know. Is there enough of a market for people who want to watch the Pirates to sustain? I don't know. It's certainly not, if that report is correct, that AT&T Sportsnet is paying $60 million to the Pirates annually. I'm not sure where you come up with that kind of money, either through cable or through streaming at this point. I think as far as the practical question of will I be able to see the games, it sounds like the teams are saying, yes, you will. For the Penguins, I don't even think it's a question up until maybe the first round of the playoffs if they get that far, because from what I understand, uh, most of the bills have already been paid there. And if they're not, well... You know, I mean, they're almost at the end of the season. You know, they've got to get through the trade deadline. They got about a, a month and a half to go 
in the regular season. So if they get to the playoffs, only the first round of the playoffs is spun off of local broadcasts anyway. Once you get beyond the first round, it goes to the network. The Pirates are the bigger deal because they've got a whole season in front of them, and it's this first payment that apparently is being missed or in some cases has been made as a partial payment to the teams. What I read, I can't remember if this is from the Bally's folks, which would be Sinclair, right, or if this is from Warner Brothers, but I saw one quote in Kevin Gorman's story at the Trib where (laughs) ostensibly what was said was, we'll just give you your own rights back. Don't sue us, please. Like that was the correspondence. Like, we'll just give it to you. There's no price. There's no negotiation here. Take your own rights fees back. Do with them what you want. We'll wash our hands of it. Just please, whatever you do, don't sue us. And we'll just make it that simple. Now, I don't know if that's going to be good enough for the teams, uh, especially with, like you said, now the onus is on them to come up with their own revenue advertisement dollars. They're going to have to create that on their own. They're going to have to find outlets to put the games on. And I think you're right too, Robin, that whatever we see by the end of this Penguin season or the start of this Pirate season will be a one-year fix until they figure out what to do and they morph streaming into the conversation. Like one thing I could very easily see is they could do these games on ESPN Plus like Duquesne does the broadcast that we do, which is like... Go ahead. Except that then the pirates aren't getting that money because ESPN is tapped out. They're not going to pay right for rights of showing uh, MLB. No, no, but I could see since MLB is a partner with these individual organizations, them giving space on the platform for the teams to disseminate the games and sell their own revenue because this is kind of a crisis situation for the teams. I could see that being an, an outlet potentially for, and you know, they'll give them X number of spots in the spot load for ESPN promos or something like that. They could kind of negotiate it that way. Or, you know, the other option is you sell everything yourself, whatever you can sell, you go to the advertisers who are going to pay money to be on AT&T Sportsnet anyway and say, okay, we're going to be on... WPNT, the point. Okay, we're going to be on the CW. And hopefully they just pay the same amount because, like, you know, those advertisers weren't paying to be on AT&T Sportsnet. They were paying right. to be on the broadcast of the Pirates and the Penguins. Right, but I don't I don't think the amount of money that, uh, that AT&T Sportsnet makes off of showing Pirates games adds up to the $60 million they're paying the Pirates. The way they're getting that to that $60 million is through the retransmission fees they get through cable. That right. goes away if you sell it to uh, a TV to a to WPNT. So then you're going from sixty million dollars annually you're getting from a TV outlet to I'm going to guess something less than five, maybe even less than one million. The annual revenue for local TV stations tops out at in the Pittsburgh market from the research I've been able to ascertain at about $20 million. So the Pirates would then have to be okay with going from $60 million they're getting in to a lot, lot less money, like a lot less money. Yeah, and I'm sure the leagues are going to have to step in and there's going to be some sort of make good uh, revenue sharing comes into play. There's revenue sharing in the collective bargaining agreement. Um, But as far as the practical, pragmatic 
can I see the games? They're going to figure out a way to get you the games. I, I don't doubt that. I think you're going to be able to see just about every game. How you do it might be a little bit different. And um, if there was some concern about not getting opening day on television, we'd know about that by now. But so far, I, I, I just I think they'll figure out something, Rob, because honestly, whoever gets this, whether it's KDKA or UPN or uh, whoever the point, somebody's going to get a sweetheart deal to put the pirates and penguins on their air for the short term. And then next year we'll figure it out. I think is how it's going to go. I think the most likely thing is that AT&T Sportsnet continues to exist. It's no longer owned by Warner brothers discovery. It's owned by the pirates or jointly by the pirates. Well, you know what, like that. And last point on this, you know, cause this, this did come up as a point of conversation a couple of years ago when there was that hot rumor that, Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle wanted to buy the Penguins, excuse me, wanted to buy the Pirates after they owned the mm-hmm. Penguins and turn it into a situation like what the Red Sox have, you know, where they or what the Yankees have with Yes, right. where they make their own broadcast network between the two teams. Well, that never really happened. There wasn't much fire to the smoke. There was like one phone call that was made and it disappeared. Well, now the Penguins yeah. are owned by FSG. FSG, the principal guy in that is John Henry. John Henry does that with Nesson and the Red Sox. So, you know, like there's at least a background there where these two teams might now come together by force to make something like that happen, ironically enough, just with the new ownership of the Penguins as opposed to Burkle and Mario. Yeah, I think that that's entire. I think I read something to the effect that, that you could even conceivably fold the Pittsburgh teams in with that Northeast sports network and just make it bigger. But who knows? We'll see. All right, Rob, uh, let's get to some other sort of more television related items. Not so much in the sports sphere, but it looks like no third season for Mindhunter, huh? Yeah. I mean, we've known this for quite some time, but the Mindhunter fans keep, keep that candle alive, that hope alive that, that there's going to be another season. I think, any hopes for another season disappeared as soon as Netflix started losing subscribers last April, because the whole reason it got canceled the first time or that they chose not to make more other than David Fincher, not wanting to spend a, le- a year of his life in Pittsburgh to make the show every few years um, was simply the fact that not enough people were watching it. Yes. It was acclaimed. Yes. It, it, you know, there, it had a diehard audience, but it was not enough people to justify the cost because remember Mindhunter was actually one of the earlier Netflix shows ordered, and it comes from an era when Netflix wanted to be HBO. Netflix doesn't want to be HBO anymore. Netflix wants to be CBS now. So anyway, it was canceled, but then everybody kept asking Fincher, oh, after you're done with Mank, are you going to come back and do more? And he said, he said previously, no, it's, it's too expensive and we didn't get the eyeballs. But then in an interview with the French publication, he, he finally said again, it's a very expensive show. And in the eyes of Netflix, we didn't attract enough of an audience to justify such an investment. Um, so clearly there is no plan for another season of Mindhunter. I'll never say never on anything these days. So I suppose 10 years down the line, someone else could revive it. But at this point, blow that candle out. Mindhunter isn't coming. So it's not going to be like Family Guy then where it goes away and then comes back and has a much better second life, huh? No, if that were going to happen, it would have happened already. Um, I like the first two episodes of South Park, by the way, for the new, se- for the new season. Oh, I was a big fan. I, I haven't seen those, but I, I should uh, set my DVR. I forgot it was bad. 
the uh, slam job on uh, Kanye West in the first one was particularly good. I was, oh, good. I was a fan oh, of that. Yeah, that would be fun. Cupid Yi from uh, Cartman was uh, one of my <laughs> favorite threads. Uh, what else we got, Rob? What else is going on with? Uh, wasn't there something about a West Virginia baseball player who's going to be on a Netflix show or something like that? Yeah, there's this new Netflix show, Physical 100. It's a competition series. And uh, there is a guy um, who did play baseball for WVU. Uh, his name is, I think it's Dustin Netter. Let me make sure. I, Dustin Nippert. Dustin Nippert. Uh, he was a baseball player for WVU. He now lives in Korea. This physical 100 competition show is a Korean series that he's on. He's super tall. And uh, that show is out in its entirety on Netflix now, if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, what else you got going on? There's something KDK related you wanted to get to, right? Yeah, so KDK uh, has been out of their newsroom for many months. They finally got back in recently because they were doing this big renovation to it, and they produced a special about the revamped newsroom. I haven't seen it yet, but I saw um, Ken Rice post what looked like interviews he was doing with some retirees, veterans of KDK. So if you're, I suspect that's part of the special. I haven't seen it yet, but it premieres tonight at 8 p.m. on the CBS News Pittsburgh stream. It's on again Tuesday at 2 p.m., Friday at 8 p.m., Saturday at 8 p.m., and Sunday at 11 a.m. Does not yet have uh, an air date on the linear. I'm hoping to get that this week and add it to the column that posts online Thursday. In the behind the scenes at KDKA, do we get an opportunity to see the Bob Pompiani Youth Regeneration Chamber that they keep <laughs> in the sports department? Boy, I sure hope that we get to see the Bob Pompiani Youth Regeneration Chamber. Uh, that would be great. That would be really good. I, 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 I would love to see that. Happen. I've heard varying conflicting reports. One tells me it's kind of like that... Um, that thing that Darth Vader was in, in the oh, Empire yeah. Strikes yeah, yeah, Back, yeah, yeah. you know, it was yeah. sort of like a claw yep. that comes down and then opens up. And then I, I also heard, heard it was more like a tank, like a tube, like we saw oh, in like uh, an Avatar or an it Avatar. Was, oh, Avatar. Yeah, but yeah. I was thinking more like the Mandalorian. Remember, there was that yep. one. I, yeah, the Bakta tank. As long as Bakta tank, like, right? As yes. As long as it's not like the chamber on the fly, I think we're okay. A <laughs> uh, couple other things. So, so I I put my foot in it last week because I wrote about David Conrad. Um, who's from Pittsburgh, being in this new Lifetime movie, and I called him a Swiss Vail native. And boy, did I hear from the Edgewood people who claim, no, he's an Edgewood native. Oh, you got that, huh? See, I get that all the time with uh, John Gibson and Baldwin and Whitehall. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, I also asked... get it for Gene Steratore. Is he from, because he was born in Uniontown, but lives in Washington County. So right. like, I, I offend somebody anytime right. I reference so, it. So I asked David, I texted him, and I was like, did I get this wrong? Do I need to change it to Edgewood? And his response was, let the viewer, let the readers complain. I lived on the border of Edgewood and Swissvale, dual citizenship. So <laughs> I left it as is. But I think in the future, I am going to have to write that he grew up near Edgewood and Swissvale or something so that I just don't have people coming at me. Yeah, why don't you just put a slash in there? Isn't yeah, that acceptable? I think, I think that's what I'm sure. I'm sure it won't be. But that's that's what I'll do. <laughs> Last thing, and then then we'll go. Um, 1923, the Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren, Yellowstone prequel. Did yeah. you watch any of it? No, I want to though. I heard it was really good. Uh, well, okay. No? You don't think so, huh? It started with promise. I like the characters. I really like the story. I think it's fascinating because for as much as people say this is a red state show, and 
Harrison Ford does have a little bit of an anti-government rant in one episode, but really much more, it is not a red state show. Given the amount of BDSM that's in it, Timothy Dalton's character is constantly beating women with uh, his belt. And also the critical race theory that's in it, because there's this whole story with this Native American woman, and she is just treated so horribly by all the white people at the Indian boarding school. And then in the last episode, there's a thing with a guy who's married to a Chinese woman, and they get treated terribly. So it's fascinating to me that people think it's a red state show, because I, I think it's a purple show. But anyway, here's my thing with it. They did eight episodes. They had about four episodes of story. There is so much air in this thing. And it was so frustrating because you'd be watching it and it would move at such a slow pace. I did you did you have Bob Thompson when you were at Syracuse for a yeah, TV course? Okay. I did. Yeah, I remember at one point interviewing him and talking about how MTV changed television and that you know on Murder She Wrote you would see Jessica Fletcher get out of the car, walk up to the house, ring the doorbell, the door would open. MTV changed that so you'd see her get out of the car and then you jump cut to the door open. Not not necessarily on Murder, She Wrote, but just as an example. This takes and adds in not only the walk from the car, but it adds in sniffing the roses along the way and, and planting a plant on your way up to the driveway. I mean, it is ridiculous how much air is in this show. And it drove me nuts because I really like the show. I like the characters. It's got a great cast. Harrison Ford's great. Helen Mirren is great. But oh my God, the amount of just boredom in it i kept at one point somebody was like you open this envelope and read the letter no you open this envelope and read the letter and i screamed at the tv somebody open the envelope and read the letter so we can move this thing along so that's like you're describing season two of the wire <laughs> i don't know i don't know i i don't remember that well enough to compare it there oh but. just the montages and the you know the endless like you're talking about ways to fill the time to fill up well, episodes and, and extend a season it was just yeah except back then you didn't have the mandate that okay we need x number of hours of tv you have to fill it for this dollar amount i mean yes you had that but not to the extent that you do today and i think they just said we need eight episodes and taylor sheridan wrote four hours worth of story and they just stretched it out with all this other stuff and so if there's any way you can figure out, and I haven't been able to do this, to watch it on like two times speed or one and a half speed, then I think it, 1923 is worth watching. Without that, prepare to do a crossword puzzle while you're staring out at the plains of the Serengeti. All right, Rob, uh, tell me what you got for TV Talk and TV Q&A. TV Q&A, uh, let's see, East New York. There were some Pittsburgh references in a recent episode. How come? And then uh, TV talk this week is, uh, oh, strikes looming. You've had all this entertainment uh, hurled at you from streaming services and networks uh, over the pandemic. But guess what? The writers may go out on strike May 1st, and then the actors and the director's contracts are up June 30th. So we may be in for some bumpy waters in the months ahead. Rob, appreciate it. We'll do it again next week, all right? Sounds good. And you can check me out, Breakfast with Ben's, every day, Monday through Friday, on the sports section here at Trib Live.